Welcome to the Celebration Church podcast. You're about to hear a message from Pastor Dennis Vardy called Heaven on Earth, and it speaks about how over and over again throughout the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus introduces parables with these words, the kingdom of heaven is like. So what does the expression kingdom of heaven mean? How is it relevant to our lives today? And what do the parables tell us about living a life relevant to the kingdom of heaven? Find out and enjoy today's message. We started a series last week and uh, going to be continuing it here, here now. Today's titled Becoming. And you're just talking about the fact that throughout the book of Matthew, Jesus over and over repeats this phrase where he says, the kingdom of heaven is like. And then he gives a parable, he gives an illustration. The kingdom of heaven is not a location. The kingdom of heaven is not an event. The kingdom of heaven is a context that we live in, and it is defined as where God rules. So when we invite Christ into our life and we say yes to Jesus, I'll follow you with all my heart, that is the experience of the kingdom of heaven, where there's a king and we live under his reign. Luke chapter 17, 22, now he was questioned by the Pharisees as to when the kingdom of God was coming. And he answered them and said, the kingdom of God is not coming with signs that can be observed, nor will they say, look, here it is, or there it is. For behold, the kingdom of God is in your midst. In other words, the kingdom of God's not a location or an object, it is an experience. It is an experience in walking in a relationship with Jesus Christ, following his leadership in your life. Not just simply believing that he's the savior of the world, that he died for your sins and paid for your sins. Yes, that's important, but that is not the complete gospel. Come on. The gospel should lead you to the lordship of Jesus. The gospel should lead you to becoming not just a Christ believer, but a Christ follower. That is the end result of the message of the gospel. And so Jesus would preach, the Bible says, the gospel of the kingdom, told people the kingdom of heaven was at hand. Uh, in other words, he wasn't saying to them, oh, you need to repent because you're just going to go to heaven. No, he was saying the experience of a relationship with me is available to you right now. In fact, in Matthew 6, he says to seek first the kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. In other words, make it a priority in your life that you are all about living with the understanding that it's all about Christ. You deserve the glory, yeah. huh? Every day, it's all about, okay, Jesus, what do you have for me today? What, am I, what, are, what are we about today? How can I glorify you today with my life? And throughout Matthew, Jesus shares insights into the kingdom of heaven. He gives all these parables and illustrations to help us understand what that means, how things are done in the kingdom of heaven or where God rules. Furthermore, Jesus taught us to pray this way, Matthew 6, verse 10, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I'm sure that's familiar to all of us. Think about it. Many times when we pray that prayer, we're usually thinking about a situation or circumstance around us, aren't we? In fact, that might be a prayer that you'll be praying, you know, this, this week when it comes to our election and things like that. Lord, we want your kingdom to come, we want your will to be done. 
That's a great thing. Maybe you prayed that over circumstances, situations, other people in your world. But you know, the starting place of answering that prayer actually isn't something around you, it's you. It's me. It's praying, Lord, your kingdom come, your will be done, and it starts right here. It starts with my life. Because every day we face challenges, we face opportunities, we face questions, uh, we face temptations, we face decisions, so many ways that, that God can help us, guide us, influence us, make us uh, help us do the right step, make the right choice, connect with the right people, all the rest of it, in order to see his kingdom and his will happen in our own world. Let's pick up on the next parable. Matthew chapter 13 and verse 31 says this. He presented another parable to them saying, the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a person took and sowed in his field. And this is smaller than all the other seeds. But when it's fully grown, it's larger than the garden plants and becomes a tree so that the birds of the sky come and nest in its branches. He spoke another parable to them and said, the kingdom of heaven is like leaven, which a woman took and hid in three seda of flour until it was all leaven. Jesus is describing something very specific. He's talking about transformation. He's talking about the fact that in the kingdom of heaven, things become more than what they originally are. They become greater. They grow. They change. The gospel comes into your life not just to improve your life, but to transform your life. You see, the gospel isn't like an attachment to your life. It's not like added knowledge or something like that. The gospel is not self-help. Can I get a small amen? Because it's not. You see, self-help would be like, okay, I wanna teach you how to be better organized, better, better ma- managing, better at communicating, give you some people skills so you can win friends and influence people and all those things. Jesus comes into your life, not just to improve your life, he comes into your life so you get a brand new life and he becomes your life. I mean, that's, that's the way this thing plays out. You see, there's something about all of those things that I listed that are all in the category of self-improvement, and that is this. You can turn them on and turn them off. Really, they are. They're skills. I'm not against them. You should learn them. They'll help you. But the truth of the matter is, is they are what they are. They're skills. You can walk into work, turn on all those skills, exercise them all, and be a completely different person outside of the work environment. And so that's what they are. But when Christ comes into your life, he comes into your life to give you a brand new life, to become your life. It's not something you turn on and turn off. You are a completely different person because Jesus is at the center of your life. The gospel is transformative. It's a new start with a new life. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone, a new life has begun. Becoming means you are transformed and are being transformed. You are transformed and being transformed. Anybody who has said yes to Jesus in their life knows that the born again experience is one where the burden of sin is lifted off, 
Uh, you feel clean for the first time. You feel guilt-free for the first time. Um, you, you now feel the presence of God. You're aware of the Holy Spirit. Um, you, you've ex you're experiencing that. There's this instantaneous new person reality that you experience when you say yes to Jesus and surrender to follow Christ. You are transformed, the Bible says, out of a kingdom of darkness and into the kingdom of light. You go from having no relationship with God to being brought near in a relationship with God. From being dead in sin, that is, you know, just not even aware of God in your life to a point of being literally alive to God and very aware of his presence. From guilty to forgiven, a new heart, a new spirit, a changed attitude, new motivation. You were an outsider, now you're a member of God's family. Instantly, your life is changed, transformed into a new person, spiritually and relationally. You are completely transformed and have a brand new start in life. But there's more. Romans chapter 12 and verse two says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. Let God transform you. Can we say that together? Let God transform you. Don't point to anybody while you say that verse, okay? <laughs> Let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good, pleasing, and perfect. You see, you have been transformed, but you are being transformed. Yeah, and you know the reality, if you've given your life to Christ of having a new beginning, presence of God in your life, and yet still having to deal with your soul to act like the Jesus you believe in. Let's be honest in church, okay? That's just the way it is. You realize, man, my soul needs to catch up with my faith. Spiritually, you're transformed in an instant. Your soul, however, comprised of your mind, your will, your emotions, is being transformed through your life as you continue to grow in your walk with God. As we learn his word, as we grow closer in relationship with Jesus, as we allow the Holy Spirit to change our way of thinking about things, all of these things, then God begins to do a transforming work that, by the way, he's not finished yet. It's, it starts the day you say yes to Jesus, and it continues throughout your life. What's he changing? He's changing your character. He's changing your attitudes, changing how you think, your values, your perspectives, your reactions, how you handle people and the circumstances of life are all in the process of being transformed. This part of transformation isn't like, okay, sign up for this Connect course and in four months, you're done, you're good. No, it's not like that. If you're at a point where you've been walking with Jesus for a long time and there's something in the back of your mind that says, yeah, I've already gone through that transformation thing. I used to be this way and now I'm that way. I got news for you. You're not like Jesus. You might like Jesus, but you're still not like Jesus, okay? So God is still at work in your life. There's more that he wants to and can do inside of you. At the very least, growing you in wisdom growing you in grace, growing you in faith uh, in your life, all of these things. And the more that you learn, the more that you grow, the more your life is transformed. Becoming means you're not defined by your past, but by God's promises. You're not defined by your past. How many glad you're not defined by your past? Put up two hands and three feet. I mean, just <laughs> absolutely. 
We like to label things, don't we? Some of you love to label things. You are the people that buy labelers. And you label everything. You open up the cupboards. Here's where the cups go. Here's where the plates go. I mean, you label. The dog has a label on it. Everything's got a label. You're just a labeler. The problem is, is that we tend to do that with ourselves. And we tend to do that with ourselves based on negative experiences of life. And we, we tend to carry labels that are the I can'ts, I won'ts, and I probably won't be. Things coming out of mistakes or maybe failures of our past Maybe even out of others, things others have said to us and spoken over us, and then it stuck to our heart. The kingdom of God doesn't stick a label on you from your past. It puts a promise on you for your future. You see, the seed becomes the largest tree in the garden. The flower gets this little bit of leaven put into it, but it leavens the entire amount. You could look at it and say, oh, it's just a seed. It's not that significant. It's just a handful of leaven. What could that do? But what it becomes is actually expansive and impacting. The seed has a future. The leaven has a future too. And so often people look at their lives and they just see it as being small, like a seed. Just look at it and think about what's not working, what failed, what seems to be so insignificant. You see... We tend to look at what is, but God sees what can become. That's the way he looks at our lives. Don't let labels limit you. Don't let labels keep your thinking small when it comes to your future or how God might work in your life. Don't let what you've, okay, we will pause for that clap. There you go. (laughs) Don't let what you've been decide what you'll always be. I mean, we, we say these things to ourselves. Well, I guess I'll be this. I guess I'll be that. I mean, I think it's important to understand that the boundaries of our abilities and, and, and the size of our gifting and work within that, and not try to fantasize to be somebody that we're not. I understand that. But the devil doesn't work on you to keep you from being somebody that you're not. He works on you to keep you from being somebody that you are. Mm, that was good. Don't accept what others might have labeled you with. Don't don't let critical race theory label you either. This is some new garbage coming out in school systems and whatnot. Don't think that Jesus is just forgiving you and then leaving you as you are. Well, I forgive you, but that's it. No, no, he's forgiving you, but he's also giving you a future and promises for that. God is causing your life to become in the same way he took that seed and said, this seed is gonna become a tree. In the same way he took that leaven, he said that leaven is gonna leaven the entire amount. In 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse four, it says, through these, he has granted to us his precious and magnificent promises so that by them you may become partakers of his divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world on account of lust. See, it doesn't matter what the old label was, and it doesn't even matter where it came from. God is still focused on your future, your potential, and your destiny. That's what his attention is on. That's what his eyes are on. The seed was just a small seed. It's small. It's insignificant. It was was the least in the garden, all the rest of it. But that's not what the story was about. The story was about what it grew into. 
And, and that's how God looks at your life. That's what the kingdom of heaven is all about. It is about God working with you because of what he knows you can grow into, what you can become, the difference that can be made in and through your life. It was just a handful of leaven, really not that much, but it impacted all of the flower. It's not what you are today, but it's what God says you're gonna become. You're yesterday and you're today, in fact, don't limit or define what your tomorrow will be. Let God work in your life because he's all about where you're going, not where you've been. What you are becoming is a reflection of worship. What you are becoming is a reflection of worship. When the leaven is put into the flour, it impacts all of it. It's not limited, it's not selective. The leaven doesn't go in and go like, okay, we'll just do half of this container and three quarters of that. No, it's all of it. It's intentionally there to level the entire container. When Jesus comes into your life, it's the same way. Jesus does not come into your life just to impact what you're gonna do on your Sunday mornings. He doesn't come into your life just to impact your eternal destiny and to give you heaven, although he does that. He comes into your life with the intention of you becoming all that God intended you to be, that sin is trying to keep you from, to make you into a new person. People are always becoming something. It's just the way that it is. I know we meet people, and sometimes we meet people we haven't seen for a decade, and we're like, oh, same old, same old. Well, that might be true about their personality, but I'll guarantee you they've changed in some way because people are always becoming. They're always becoming. They don't just stay the same. That's why the scriptures actually warn us that we become the right thing, that we don't allow ourselves to become something that we shouldn't become. And so the scriptures say things like, don't become dull of hearing. In other words, you can get into a routine where you, you come to church, you know, and, and, and then it's, it's like you, you sort of mentally a little bit check out, where it's like, okay, I'm going to hear a message, and oh, I've read that part of the Bible before, and oh, it's from our pastor, or whatever, and you kind of check out. The truth of the matter is, you're becoming dull of hearing, and then you can walk out and go, well, I didn't get that much out of that. Well, it's not because of what was said, it's because of what was in your ears, you can become hard-hearted. You, you can, these are things the scripture warns us about. You can become indifferent. You can become indifferent. You can become lukewarm. Uh, you can become calloused or, or discouraged. Boy, I bet you a lot of people had to fight that this week, huh? With everything going on around us, you can become discouraged, but you can fight it. You can overcome it. You can become a person who's become bitter or, or become cynical or, or, or become conceited. All these different things you can become. You can actually become deceived where you think you're something that you're not. And so the Bible warns us about the fact that our lives are becoming, just make sure they're not becoming something you, don't, you didn't want to become. These things don't bring about a heaven on earth experience. Now, Romans chapter eight and verse 29 talks about the kind of becoming that God does wanna work inside of our lives. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to become conformed to the image of his son so that he would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. You have a destiny on your life 
to become conformed to Jesus. Not in your looks, not in your personality, but in how you do life, how you act can reflect Jesus. In fact, that's where the word Christian actually came from because people saw all these disciples after the resurrection and, and all, and, and they're like, they're like little, little Christ. We'll call them Christians because that's what it means, little Christ. That was, it was a label put on. Why? Because these people were acting just like Jesus. Who you believe God is has a huge implication on who you are becoming. It really does. So we're being conformed, the Bible says, into the image of Jesus, but, but that begs the question, what is your image of God in your life? How do you see God? What is the image that you carry? What's important since we're becoming like him whom we worship is what image does that bring to you? What image does it bring to your mind when you think about who you worship? You become what you worship. What you think about God will greatly impact the destiny then of your life. In fact, you'll become like, like the God that you worship. And so if you, if you for instance, think that God is judgmental, uh, he's angry with the world, and he hates certain segments of society, you'll become a religious bigot who does the same thing. Bitter Christians. If you think that God is a God of no rules, anything goes uh, who am I to tell you it's not moral or it is moral? Kind of a woke Jesus who's powerless to change the world because he fits into everybody's world. You'll become that person who claims to have a faith in God but lives a lawless life and then takes the very scriptures your life is, is actually going against and tries to redefine them to fit your situation. Kind of a Gumby Jesus. You can shape them however you would like, you know? If you think God is all about blessing you, blessing your, your self-fulfillment, your personal destiny, your self-help Jesus, you'll live a life that is devoid of self-denial, that is void of sacrifice, that is disconnected from corporate purpose. Why? Because it's all about you. And, you know, sad to say, I've met all kinds of people like this. And, and, and their whole connection, their whole paradigm of the gospel is it's all about me. Jesus came for me, my personal savior. And, and I come to church and I hear things that encourage me so I can go out and build my kingdom. But they never serve, they never give, they don't get involved. That's gonna take away from their personal destiny. And yet, as I read the Bible and look at life, I realize this, one day I'll be gone and the church will continue to live because that's what Jesus is building. So I'd like to contribute to what Jesus is building. Mm, that's good too. <laughs> Furthermore, there's a human bent towards creating God in our own image. Here's how you know that you've created God in your own image. He agrees with you on everything. If you've been a Christian, even for a long time, there ought to be parts of the Bible that you still go, ah, that part's hard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Come on. They ought to still be challenged. Yeah. Why? Because of our humanity. Yeah. 
because we're not God. God is God. We are we, and our humanity is challenged. Our, uh, you know, we're, we're challenged. That's why it's called uh, self-sacrifice, because we're, we're challenged to take ourself and say, no, you don't get your way. We're going to do things God's way, and, and that's just the way that it is. So since we are becoming what we worship, we need to be clear about who we worship. In, in fact, God God dealt with that very, very, very quickly in the Bible. When Moses was like, okay, God, who are you? I am that I am. Can we get for more details, please? Um, and I'll get to that in just a moment. But there's a deeply Hebrew idea that goes all the way back to Moses and Mount Sinai. In the old rabbinic writings in Exodus chapter 34 and verse six and seven, the, the rabbis talk about the imitation of God how it's Israel's job to image God, to copy, to emulate, and to mimic what God is like to the world. The way the world is supposed to know what God is like is by looking at the people of God. Well, this idea doesn't just stop with with Jewish faith and with Exodus and Moses. It actually comes right into the New Testament where the apostle Paul said, you guys are like living letters read by people around you. In other words, people see you who claim to be Christian and they decide, oh, that's what Jesus is like. And what you are becoming is the message that you are sending to others. And as we become more and more like Jesus, we communicate that even clearer. And here's how you know you're on the right track, and that is this. People will love to be around you because people love to be around Jesus. It's true. Think about it. I don't think Jesus was a grump. I don't think so. I don't think he was negative. I I don't read where Jesus got all these people together and for three days he complained about what he didn't like about the world. Hello. You don't spend three days listening to somebody and and, and get hungry and, and there's no McDonald's and all the rest of the story and need a miracle to eat around somebody who's like that. I think Jesus was a joy to be around. I think Jesus ministered life. I think Jesus built people up, made them, made them realize that God really believed in them in the midst of all of that they were facing. And here's the other thing I know this, and that is this. If they reject you, let it be because of your faith, not because of something in your character or self-righteous conduct. What is God like? Let's go to that scripture, Exodus 34. Moses is like, what do you like? I am that I am. More details, please. As he passed in front of Moses proclaiming, the Lord, the Lord. Look at this. The, the, the almighty, all-powerful, ever-present God to be feared. Is that what the scripture says? No. Could have went there, but he didn't. The Lord, the Lord. Look, the compassionate and gracious God. Wow. This is how God is towards you. Compassionate. And gracious, what does that mean? Compassionate is how he feels towards you. Gracious is how he acts towards you. I'm so glad that God's not just compassionate, but he's also gracious. I'm so glad that God doesn't just feel for what I might be going through, but he's doing something about it. Look at this, slow to anger. Slow, how, how, oh, really, really slow. Really slow, 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 slower than that even. 
abounding in love and faithfulness. God is faithful. It's not gonna be a moment in your life where it's like, God, you forgot to show up here. No, no, I'm faithful. I'm faithful. Maintaining love to thousands. Forgiving wickedness, rebellion, and sin. Why, Why do you list all this stuff? Why didn't you just say forgiving sin? Because they're three different things. You know, wickedness is wickedness. It's like, okay, this is off the charts wrong. Rebellion, that's when you know better, but you still did the wrong thing. Mm-hmm. And then sin is when you just missed the mark. You just, you missed it. But God says, you know what? I forgive all these things. In other words, I, I'm not selective. About, I just forgive it all. Yet he does not leave the guilty unpunished. So he's still a just God. He deals with things as he needs to. He punishes the children and their children for the sins of the parents to the third and fourth generation. Wow, what is that about? That seems to be a left hook. Um, No, here's what it is. God forgives, but he still wants to deal to get the sin out of your life. Not only that, he doesn't want it passed down from generation to generation. He's still gonna work with the generations to make sure it's not in their lives as well. Of all that God at this moment could have said, He starts talking about, here's how I treat people. Here's my nature. Here's my character. Here's what what I am like. And I can go into a whole lot more background about why God would have done that. But but this is is who God is. This is how he treats you. This is, oh, by the way, how he treats people you don't like. How he treats people you don't agree with. How he treats people that you feel are moving in a, in a direction that's very, very wrong or even in conflict with scripture. This is how he treats everybody. Your becoming determines your blessing. You know, the leaven in the flower, the, the study on the scripture basically says that given the amount of flour that was there and that leaven going into it, could have fed like 100 people bread. The seed became a tree that could actually host birds to come and nest in it. You becoming all that God has for you, listen, you becoming all that God wants you to be has an overflow to others around you. It's not just about you, it's bigger than you. What God wants to do in your life is bigger than you. He's doing it through you, but it's going to affect others around you. The greatest thing that you can do is to allow God to grow you up spiritually, in character, in maturity, in your capacity to show compassion and grace, just like who he is. And when you grow that way, it'll bless your marriage. It'll bless your family. It'll bless your your business, your parenting, your coworkers, all the rest of it. The moment I stop allowing God to work change in my life is the moment I put a lid on what he can do in my life. That's why it's so important to always be open for change and always be open for the Holy Spirit to to work with you and address things. And we hear about it too often, I think. People that are no longer in their race that they were in, no longer in their track because of an unaddressed habit, a, a secret sin, an appetite that wasn't controlled, a temper that was allowed to express itself freely. People have areas of their life where they're not becoming. And then what happens is it either becomes their lid or it becomes their demise so important that we allow God 
to continue to work in our lives. And when we embrace becoming, we actually set in play a future that will continually be a blessing, not just to us, but to others around us as we fulfill God's purposes in our life. My prayer for you is that you would embrace change at every level and continually allow God to cause you to become. Can we stand as we take time to pray? Thank you. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for everyone who is here. And Lord, I thank you that everyone who is here, Lord, has a destiny, uh, has a purpose, is, is meant to become more and more like your son. Father, I thank you, Lord, that regardless of what label we may have carried in our past, regardless of what others might have said or what even we may have thought about ourselves, Lord, those labels don't stick on forever. Instead, we grab your promises because they are forever. Your promises determine what we're becoming. I thank you, Holy Spirit, as we take the word of God into heart and believe what you say about us, that, Lord, that is a label of truth that will set us free in Jesus' name. We spoke about transformation. That actually begins the moment you say yes to Jesus. You don't have to live a life that's stuck in sin. You don't have to live a life that's stuck in shame or stuck in a destructive pattern and without hope. There's a savior, his name is Jesus. And you don't have to fall to the lie that says, oh, I need to save myself. No, the moment you understand I can't do this by myself is the moment you're really beginning to understand why Christ had to come in the first place. It's him that forgives. It's him that transforms and gives you a new start. Say, what do I need to do? All we need to do is, first of all, have faith that Jesus is who he says he is. He's the son of God who died on the cross and rose again from the grave. And that's what history tells us as well. Then second of all, put our faith in him. Ask him to forgive you. Invite him into your life, giving him the rightful place as the king in the kingdom of heaven that you want to live in. Letting him be Lord of your life, following him with all of your heart. And we get there through a prayer. I'm gonna lead you in that prayer in just a moment. Those who are watching online, you're welcome to join in with us too. If you've never prayed this prayer before, this is your start with Jesus. Maybe you're somebody who says, you know, years ago I went to church and prayed that prayer, but I know my life is not living a kingdom-centered life. I know my life isn't Christ-centered. Maybe you need to realign right now by praying this prayer with us. So if you prayed along with me, Lord Jesus, I thank you that you went to the cross and there you died to pay for my sin and rose from the grave so I could have a new start in life. I ask you to forgive my past. I welcome you into my life. I confess you as my Lord and my Savior Thank you for a new beginning. I'm going to follow you with all my heart. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message from our series, Heaven on Earth. If you're wanting to know more about Celebration Church or you would like to partner with us financially, visit our website at celebrationedmonton.com and follow us on our Instagram and Facebook at Celebration EDM. Come back next week to hear another great message.